1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and the title of tonight's message is, You See Your Calling, Brethren. Just a quick review of uh, while you're turning there. 1 Corinthians, written by Paul, probably at the end of his uh, three-year stay, planting the church in Ephesus, I believe. He became a believer when Jesus confronted him. Corinth, it was a major port city. It was a famous city in its day. We talked about some famous cities in our day last time. About three-quarters of a million people, they say. About twice that of what you'll find here in, uh, in uh, warm Orange County, New York. There was a saying, to live like a Corinthian. And uh, it was a wild living, a promiscuous living. But Paul said that he was called to be an apostle through the will of God. And we looked at how important it is that we're in the will of God and, and what kind of the will of God is for really everyone. And, you know, that's to get saved and that's to know him and that's to be a part of his work here uh, on earth. Uh, but as Paul's calling was from God and not from man. And how important that is in our lives that we hear the call of God in our lives just to know him, that we obey him above any other man, even ourselves. Paul's major concern in that first part was that they come short in no gift. Um, we talked about half-baked cookies. Those are good. Half-baked steak is good, but half-baked chicken is no good. But uh, Paul pleads with them because the Corinthian church, as uh, you know, you'll see if you read through it, had a lot of messed up things going on. And uh, one of the things he addresses early on is division and how the church was very clicky and how the church was more concerned about man's name than Christ's name and how they were more concerned about what teacher was their favorite or who baptized them than who saved them on the cross. And it was causing a lot of fights, a lot of uh, division, and just a lot of things that, that just don't please God. Definitely aren't a good witness to the world. We talked about essentials and not essentials in doctrine, and how these things are very important, that we stick to what the Bible says, but sort of the methods and how they're uh, um, taught, or, or you know the style of music or your style of clothing aren't really as important. Um, and Paul, uh, real quick uh, to finish up the intro here, Paul knew his main calling was to tell people about Jesus. In fact, he was glad he didn't even baptize people. And that's kind of strange. You think like, wow, like this guy's, you know, he wrote most of the New Testament. Shouldn't he be happy to be baptizing people? And uh, he was uh, more concerned about his call to preach the gospel than uh, to baptize people because people were, again, in Corinth, especially in Corinth, people were more concerned about who baptized them rather than, you know, why they're getting baptized. Uh, but, you know, let's not look too much uh, down upon the Corinthians because, you know, what do we do? If we look at ourselves for a second, I think we kind of see some of those same things quite often. All right, so that's that's the review. So you guys can all, um, you know, get an A for the day in that. Uh, but let's pray. Let's pray before we go any further. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, just so much. Um, like the song said, that your name is, is greater than any other name, God. And uh, that's the only name we, we really need to care about. And uh, thank you for caring about us and for dying on the cross for our sins and for seeing us in our state and uh, just wanting to, to free us, God. And we pray that you'd forgive us of our sin tonight, that you'd cover everyone in here, and that, uh, Lord, we truly would just hear from you tonight, God, and that um, any agenda I have, you would just remove it, and you would just speak tonight, God. And uh, I pray that we'd all learn something tonight out of your word and walk away different and uh, changed by you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, just remember... My wife's home, sick and pregnant, so I got to have the phone on vibrate in case for some reason she goes early. But I don't think so. Let's start out. Let's read one verse, and uh, as Owen would say, "Stop, stop, stop! Don't go ahead." So let's go with one verse. Verse eighteen says, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God." Wow, what is the message of the cross? Uh, you know. God came down to man, he took on their sin, he died for it, uh, that's, that's a bum deal I think, then he rose again, and doing away with the judgment for those who would believe, and gave new life, free from sin and death. That's the gospel. I probably complicated it way too much, but that's kind of a synopsis there. But that through death, and Christ dying on the cross for our sins, and him rising again, because he's God, he can't stay dead. You know, he's got a million lives. But, you know, if you were thinking of video game terminology, but I don't know where that came from. Some childhood memory just, I think I saw James and Mary. I was like, oh, video games. Sorry, guys. But uh, truly, 
Christ is eternal. He lives forever. You know, he came down, he took on our bodies. The Bible says he was made a little lower than angels for the purpose of death, that he might die for our sins. But he rose again. He's not dead. He's not in some grave somewhere. You know, there's no, like, place to go visit him and put flowers on his grave or, you know, get, like, a rubbing of his tombstone or anything. He's in heaven. He's seated at the throne at the right hand of the Father. He's alive. And because of that, we can have new life through him. We can have new life free of sin and death. Free of it. Um, You know, I heard it this week. I was flipping through the channels because we get, like, you know, I ordered the internet, and we get the most random channels. We get, like, the Spanish channel, like, the basic cable, and then, of course, they give you the shopping channels for free. But um, there was a show on, and there was, like, a cop show, and they said, you know, people don't change. You know, they were, like, accusing somebody of something, uh, you know, of murdering somebody, and they're like, people don't change. You know, of course you did it. People don't change. And uh, the truth is, you know, we hear that a lot. You know, you can't change, or you're no different, or... You know, you'll never be any different. You'll never be able to quit that habit or stop that thing. And, you know, you might want to think, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I can stop that. Uh, You know, I remember all sorts of things before I knew the Lord saying, oh, I'll stop. Or, you know, New Year's, you know, how many New Year's resolutions do we make and break in, you know, the matter of probably minutes. But uh, i got to turn the timer off on this thing. But truth is, we can't change. We can't change without Christ. There's hope in that. We can't. You can't expect to change yourself. No matter how hard you try, you know, maybe you'll get in a little better shape, but your body's still dying. You know, maybe you'll stop cursing on the outside, but on the inside, you still want to scream it out. But the truth is, we can't without Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you guys probably know this verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Check it out. New creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. You're a new creation. Um, I was listening to a message the other day, uh, well, just a clip online of Adam and Christ and just how are we in Adam or are we in Christ? And uh, I won't get into it because that's pretty deep. But, um, but now we're given the freedom and the opportunity to live without the oppression of sin. Like before we had no choice. Before we couldn't change ourselves. Before we had to like try and put off that sin or or stop that sin, or repress that sin, or fight that sin. But in one form or another, we'd always lose. Sin would always rear its ugly head in some other manner. Maybe it wasn't exactly the same way, but maybe, you know, you tried to quit drinking, and then, you know, you just picked up smoking. You know, or maybe, you know, you stopped trying to, you know, watch one TV show, and you got hooked on another TV show. Whatever it is, sin would always start to rear its ugly head again, because all you could do is push it down and, like, whack a mole. It would just come out through some other hole in your personality, you know? And it's true for all of us. You know, I'm saying it to you, but it's also for me. Um, you know, it was a revolutionary war that we didn't fight and could never win, but that was fought and won for us. We were always trying to fight against this law of sin and death in our members, but we can never win it. We can never win it. And so what did Christ do? Christ came and he took on that war for us. He won that war. Oh, I don't like, I know that there was a struggle in the, in the humanity of Christ, but on the other hand, he's God. So it's like, when he comes back again at the end, he says a word, a flaming sword comes out of his mouth, and the enemy is destroyed, and the blood is high as the bridles on the horses. So in some sense, there is no effort because he's God, but on his manhood, we look at you know the things that Jesus went through, and you see the blood, you see the struggle, where it was impossible for us, and it was bloody for God. Um, but now we're free of that. But to those who are perishing, it says, it's foolishness. To those who are dying in their sins... Maybe us tonight, maybe if you don't know Christ, it's foolishness. You go, God comes to earth and, come, and puts on a body. Like, that's crazy. And then he dies for people, and then he rises again to life. There's no such thing as that. That's hocus pocus. That's a wash. It's foolishness because you're dying, and you're so caught up in your dying that you don't want to believe you're dying. It's foolishness. But we who are being saved, who are being saved, I think that's interesting, um, we are saved. We're already saved when we accept Jesus. But then there's this process of sanctification where now for the rest of your life, God is constantly renewing you and bringing that new life out in you as you give yourself over to him. As we give ourselves to him, he's able to forgive us constantly and take away our sin and, and change us and mold us. Um, it's not that you should be afraid of you know, losing your salvation or something in that because you sin. No, it's just that it's this constant washing because there's a lot of stuff in this. 
But that's also looking forward to the day of salvation. The Bible says there's a day of salvation, and that's when Jesus comes back and takes us to be with him. And, and that's like, man, that's the day of our salvation, because we're saved now, but we still got to go through this earth. We still got to go through struggles and battle with sin and, and you know, try not to fall back into it. But, uh, you know, so to we're being saved, it's the power of God. We realize that before, you know, many of you who know the Lord, there's a difference between the before you and even if you just like get saved one day and then the next day, maybe there's a different outlook. Maybe there's a hope. Like for me, I just didn't feel empty anymore the next day. I had this hope out of nowhere after I came to Christ. It was like, wow, I know there's something different this time. You know, can't put my finger on it, but I, I don't feel empty anymore. I don't feel hollow. I don't feel alone anymore. And from that, you know, God has done other things as well in my life, thankfully. Um, but before that, like we know, we are powerless to it. But, excuse me, Second Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says, <clears throat> For uh, we are to God the fragrance of Christ uh, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Like, who can live up to that? Like, when we're saved, to the people who, uh, you know, we start smelling like God. We, to God, we start smelling like Christ. You know, like they put on the, you know, the gold, frankincense, myrrh, or whatever, when, when he was born, and then Mary anointed him with oil, and then there's, you know, the burial cloth. So there's this whole idea of smell and everything associated with his death, but it's a good smell uh, because he rose again. Uh, he's not rotting in a tomb somewhere. He's alive somewhere. You know, he's, he's clean now. You know, like there's no, it's not death anymore. It's life. And um, when you're around other believers, you begin to smell that. And if you're another believer or you're desiring even maybe the things of God, maybe you don't know God yet, maybe you're just desiring the things of God, you go, that smells good. The world, my coworkers don't smell like that. I don't really smell like that, but there's something different. Like some people have worked to me, said that to me before. Like there's just a different, there's something different about you. There's, you know, they, can't, they don't really like put their finger on it, but they've just said like there's something different about it. And they know I'm a believer, but it's like maybe they catch that smell. But to those who are perishing, to those who, Maybe our believers and just would rather sin today or maybe they just, they're falling into it or maybe you don't know Christ and you're stuck in your sin and you love your sin and you can't wait uh, until you get out of here so you can go sin. Maybe you know you're going to sneak out halfway through service so you can go sin. I don't know. But it smells horrible. You're like, oh, Christians, oh, the Bible, oh, that reeks, man. Oh, man, that's bigotry or, oh, that, that's not life. That's so boring. You know, whatever these negative things that you might have about good things, about godly things, you know, there's, there's this smell, there's this difference to it. But that's what we're to be. We're to be the fragrance of Christ. And um, I don't know, I can't get the picture, maybe it's just my laundry room, but I just can't get the picture of, like, uh, detergent out of uh, my mind right now. Like, you know, sometimes, oh, you smell detergent, or, you know, you smell, like, you know, your clothes, like, oh, it smells like detergent, hopefully. You know, sometimes for guys, that's, like, that's the test. Like, oh, it's clean, or no, it's not clean, you know. That's the test. Like, it doesn't have to look dirty, but if it smells dirty, you probably won't wear it. At least you're on your friends. But uh, <laughs> I don't know where we're going with that one. But that's, oh, proximity. Like, I got this, like, scarf thing online, and I was, like, so psyched. Like, I'm going to wear this when I go out and do outdoor stuff. And, you know, like, I thought it was pretty cool. I get it. It's, like, it totally seems like, no offense to uh, people in China, but it just looked like it was made in China. It was a bag. There was no tag telling you what it was made out of. And it just smelled funny. And so I washed it a couple times and it still smelled funny. So it's, like, whatever. You know, thankfully it was only, like, 10 bucks, but. Um, I don't know why I'm pleading with you guys for this stuff. But uh, I'm saying, like, it smelled bad. Like, I don't want to wear it. And the same way, like, you know, if we kind of smell bad, you know, people might not want to have us around them. But, you know, if we're hanging out with Christ and we're close to Christ, you know, his smell is going to rub off on us. You know, I, I go a million things with that, but we'll stop. <laughs> so uh, verse 19 uh, through 25, we'll read through this section. Um, okay. For it is written, this is an awesome verse, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. 
But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I said I love this verse, uh, 19. You know, God's like, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Like, God's going to crush them. There's no debate there. God's like, oh, you think you're wise? You think you're smart? Crushed. Gone. You know? You know, to nothing, the understanding of the prudent. You know, the, the people who think that they're so smart and that they know everything and that they don't need God and that, you know, that they have all the answers in the world. And then God goes, ooh, and it's, you know, nothing. It, it's gone. And I think, you know, God kind of sits up there and in a sense, like, it grieves him. But in a sense, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, I created everything. You know, that's what God says. I think in a sense. But it says, where is the disputer of this age? Um, and that word disputer, it means learned disputant. You ever hear, uh, um, like, debate club in high school? I don't think we had one, but Saved by the Bell had one. And so I knew, you know, debate club. It was like the college bowl or whatever, you know, and like Zach and Screech and all them. They, you know, you had to go there and you had to learn how to argue some case or defense. I mean, maybe there wasn't my high school. I don't really know. I didn't know everything was going on. But, um, but a debate club, maybe a criminal defense lawyer, someone who's gone to school so long that they can argue out of anything. In fact, they'll take on big old criminal cases that are like, you know the guy is guilty, but they come up with this argument, and you go, what? You're just left, like, spinning. Like, are you, and then people believe it, and you go, are you serious? Does the glove don't fit? Like, you know, it's crazy. If you remember that, that's a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, it means you're really old. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. I told you, sorry. But, uh, you know, what do we argue for? What do we argue about? Like, what are, so, what are the things so important to us that we get heated about and that we argue about? I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing, but, like, what are we arguing for? Like, what in our lives do we go, man, I'm going to stand up and argue for that? Um, you know, what do we fight for? And is it even worth it? Like, sometimes you get in, like, a heated debate, and you're like, oh, man, that was totally not worth it. And you have to go, like, I'm sorry. Like, uh, I just shouldn't get that heated about that. It's just not that important. Um, but Proverbs 31, 8, and 9, this is, this is a verse here that's uh, uh, very dear to my heart uh, from the Lord, I think. But it says, Open your mouth for the speechless, in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Especially that first part. Open your mouth for the speechless, those who, who can't talk, those who have no voice. That's who we need to argue for. Those who, who aren't being heard. Not ourselves, but others who aren't being heard. In the cause of all who are appointed to die, in the cause of all those who are set aside to die, who are even put in line to die, and don't have a voice for themselves. And if anyone was paying attention to any sort of uh, culture yesterday, You've seen that Roe versus Wade, 50 years ago yesterday, January 22nd, 2013, over 54.5 million plus babies murdered. Murdered. My sister-in-law just had a little baby yesterday. So beautiful and so cute. My wife is pregnant. Murdered. They're not, thankfully. But other babies all over time. So I'm going to read you some stats here. Total number of abortions in the U.S., 1973 to 2011, so that's even uh, a year and a half old at this point, 54.5 million plus. 54.5 million plus. I'm going to say it again because it's important. 54.5 million plus. And God is good because I've wanted to be able to share something like this um, up here, and I didn't want to make it my own personal vendetta or agenda and I just kind of waited, and I was studying, and um, I even was studying last night, and I felt like God like, just said, hey, this is it. This is where you do it. So 234 abortions per 1,000 live births, according to Centers for Disease Control. So they're, they're legit. Abort- abortions per year, 1.2 million. Abortions per day, 3,288. Abortions per hour. 137. By the time my silly voice is done talking, 137 more babies are probably dead. I mean, they're probably killed earlier today, and then you know what I mean, but like on average. Every four minutes, I almost want to set a timer. 
Destiny, could you put up the timer for four minutes, please? Sorry to put you on the spot. She's going to put up that timer. Nine babies killed every four minutes. And this is just the United States. United States. In 12 minutes, I did, this is, remember, you guys remember Sandy Hook? And I'm not talking down about Sandy Hook. I think it's a tragedy. I'm grieved about it. I'm grieved for the parents. But 27 babies are killed, the same as Sandy Hook, every, what is that, was it, three, 12 minutes, every 12 minutes, Sandy Hook happens right behind us. Plan of Parenthood, right there, every 12 minutes. Yet abortion isn't being banned. In fact, it's expanded with Obamacare. I can get political, I'm not the pastor here, and even if, even if I was pastor Owen, I'd still get 5% of my time legally to be political. Who are you voting for, and why are you voting? Is it for your pocketbook, or is it for the baby? Oh, you may think, oh, um, you know, my candidate will never get repealed, but seriously, you know, I think it kind of hit me yesterday. If we really wanted abortion to end in this country, we could get it to end. If we really wanted it, we could, we could end it, but we don't. And I'm not, I'm not like mad at you guys. I'm, you know, I'm in the same boat here. But... You know, one abortion every 26 seconds. So think about those minute-long commercials you hate, two more babies. And this is from all.org, American Life League. And I'm sure there's, you know, a million websites that have these stats. But, you know, Hobby Lobby, a few people in here work there. They're Christian, you know, owner is Christian. Um, they almost went out of business a couple weeks ago because they, they refused to take on the health care that mandates the abortion pill and abortion to be given out in their health care. They found a loophole and they've got another year, but... A business that employs people in our area could go out of business because they don't want to support it. It's disgusting. And I'll get to something a little bit here in a minute, but it's... it's I saw this thing online that said, uh, it was a picture of a hanger, right? And it said, keep abortion legal. No exceptions, no apologies. The Coat Hanger Project. Babies are being murdered. This is my response. I'm not at all sorry that you had to use a coat hanger to do it. And now that you're proud and don't want to go back to that so they can do it in the hospital. And I am emotional over this, and it, it does mean something to me. And I'm, I'm not judging you if you've had an abortion. I'm not judging you if you're thinking about it. I'm not judging you if you voted for it or you believe that it's the right choice in any circumstance. Because uh, I could have a 10-year-old uh, son or daughter today uh, when I was in college, before I knew the Lord, I was obviously with somebody. We were obviously um, outside of marriage and obviously in sin, and I didn't know the Lord. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I didn't think that abortion was right, but um, I guess over the years, it just kind of like faded in, and I got so caught up in everything that uh, this girl and I got pregnant. Um, it was in college. I remember, um, I remember it like, I mean, it's like, I don't, thankfully God's given me a forgiveness and separation from it in a sense, but it's something that I still remember vividly. Um, and uh, a lot of it's, like, I remember certainness vividly, but I remember we uh, somehow scrambled together to money, go down there, go down to the city. Uh, we went in there, and let me tell you, this was got to be the darkest, heaviest feeling place I've ever been in. Uh, it was like, I look back and I go, is that memory a nightmare? Like, just the atmosphere that was in this clinic in the city, um, I don't know exactly what happened on the other end of the door where this uh, this girl was. Um, you know, I feel for her. I, I you know, uh, I prayed for her a lot when I first got saved. I got to witness to her. You know, obviously we like, broke up. I got saved, and then there was an opportunity to talk to her at one point. But uh, it grieves me for the effect that it has on her life today because I know how much it's affected my life. And I know, um, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from, from women in this situation because I can't, I can't comprehend it. But I know that uh, as a guy, it's something that still is with me almost every day. Like, you know, I, I wish that it never happened. And I'd like to think that if you made it illegal and forced people to go to jail, that I would sign up and say, okay, I'm going to jail for it. Um, that's really easy to say because that's not the law. But um, it's something that I don't, I don't not regret like every day. Um, and it's such a joy. Ashley and I have a little baby on the way, a little one in another couple of weeks. And it's such a joy. Um, and yet there's still part of me that remembers this other child that I believe is with the Lord. Um, if you read like, the scriptures, uh, I believe the Lord is just and that uh, this baby is with them. 
and I'll get to meet them someday. But, you know, there's an emptiness, there's a void of this missing child. And, that, and you know, I'm just one story. You know, God has forgiven me, God has shown me grace, you know. I remember the, the difference between, you know, when, I, when Ash and I found out we were pregnant now, and just like, wow, Lord, like, what kind of grace is this, that you would give me another child? I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it, but to think that we're so caught up in, in banning weapons, I mean, I won't get into that. People know me, know where I stand on that, but it, when, seriously, we're murdering more kids every day, every day, and we call it women's rights. So that's that. So let's stand up for those who, who cannot speak for themselves, those who are appointed to die. If you're a believer, if you're not, and you believe that life is valuable, stand up for it. People get mad at you? Okay. They're killing people. A disputer of this age. The disputer of this age. Who more than anyone loves to dispute the gospel than Satan? The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Um, then I heard a loud voice, Revelation 12.10. That time I go off Destiny Park a couple times, right? Then I heard a loud verse, loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, he who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Cast down. The accuser, the guy who's like skilled in debating and trying to accuse you and accuse me, has nothing because Jesus is standing in our place if we believe in him. And he's been cast down. Neither man nor his ideas or the enemy has accusations that have any say against the wisdom of God. Again, anything anyone wants to say in wisdom of God? Gone. Smushed. You know, we think wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God. Universities, wisdom of man. Evolution, wisdom, I guess, of man. Creationism, or creation, wisdom of God. Uh, Have you guys seen the movie Expelled? You guys remember uh, Ferris Bueller or uh, Ben Stein's Money or the Clear Eyes commercial? Clear Eyes. You know, this guy was, uh, I think he was a speechwriter for Nixon and uh, had some ties with some Israeli guys. But he's, he's, he's Jewish and uh, he's not a believer by any stretch of the imagination. But if you, have, if you have Netflix, go home and, and watch this. It's awesome. It's two and a half hours. It just shows just uh, how these people who uh, aren't believers even, like, just don't want to buy into evolution because they see how, like, faulty it is and they say, like, there has to be some sort of, you know, creation out there. There has to be God out there. And they're getting kicked out of the universities. They're getting fired. They're getting blacklisted. All this stuff. But it, it just goes through and shows, you know, he interviews uh, Richard Dawkins. He's like the leading, you know, atheist guy on the planet right now. Um, okay. Um, and just like, this, even they, though, like, that's the whole, the whole thing is that even the people who are teaching evolution, like the little guys on the bottom of the totem pole, they, like, believe it. But the guys at the top, they don't. They're looking for other answers. They're looking for aliens being seated. You know, alien giving life. Well, all right, well, who made the aliens then? You know, um, and just as on But just, you know, I don't really uh, encourage this kind of thing too often. So if you've got nothing to do later, even if you do, go watch it. <laughs> You'll enjoy it, and you're going to go, wow, because it pulls in these ties that make a lot of sense. Um, but verse 21, God's wisdom keeps man from knowing him through worldly wisdom. God's saying that, like, you know, you can be as wise as you want in the world, and that's never, in a sense, going to lead you to God. Like, if you're really seeking the Lord, you know, he'll reveal himself to you. But do you ever notice how people don't uh, like to think things through, like, all the way through to their, their logical end? Like, like I just said about evolution or being seeded by aliens. Well, who made the aliens? Aliens seeded Earth. Like, they just, like, stop. Like, uh... I remember when I first got saved, I was working at this elevator company and uh, it had its ups and downs. That was the saying. Uh-huh. There was bumper stickers. But uh, I did like the, some of the computer stuff there and a couple of other guys I worked with. One guy was a programmer and the other guy was an engineer. We used to hang out and talk and go out to lunch and stuff. And uh, we used to talk about like the Big Bang and the universe. And I'd be like, okay, like, let's say the Big Bang is real, right? And like, it just happened. And then the universe is expanding, right? Think of like a balloon expanding, right? What's on the outside of the balloon? air, right? Like, okay, well, if it's expanding, what's it expanding into? And they were just like, like, they came to get their head outside of the balloon. It was like, I was like, well, what, what if God's outside the balloon? 
What if God's outside the universe? What if it's like expanding and God's out there going like this? And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure I was like a little heated, like, come on, like, don't you see it? You know, I was like just saved and everything. Um, and it's true, you know, tell it. But it's like people don't like to think beyond a certain thing. They'll like think, like, oh, okay, I can talk on my phone. You know, no one's going to no swerve in this lane. You don't think it through. Like, okay, you're talking on the phone. Your eyes off the road. That semi, you know, he's falling asleep because he's been driving 12 hours. He's going to swerve right in front of you. You're going to hit him. You know, it's like people don't think all the way through. Um, but Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can be. You know, the fleshly mind, the, the mind that is so intent on earthly things and doesn't care about he- uh, heavenly things, in fact, is against God. It's against God. It butts heads with God, in a sense, uh, because it can't be subject to God's law. And it, it just can't be. It's like it's going a, a whole different direction. It's going that, that smelly direction, that, that direction of perishing. Um, 1 Corinthians two fourteen and 15. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Um, people who don't know God or don't desire to know him can't understand and will turn to religion and signs or to worldly knowledge. You know, people like who don't know God aren't going to understand the things of God. Like, you know, you talk about Christian Christianese to people and they won't get it. Even we don't get it sometimes. It's like, it's, you know. But the point is, is that if we're truly seeking God, God says that if you seek me and you search for me with all your heart, that you'll find me. So it's like if you're involved in science or you're involved in these other things and you really want to know who God is, eventually God will get you to where you meet him. Um, he did for me. I'm sure he can do it for you. But the like verse, where is that verse? It says uh, 23. To the Jews, the stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. People will turn to religion or they'll turn to some sort of knowledge or atheism, which is really just religion because I don't see a difference. Um, they both have beliefs on God. They both have a belief on the origin of the universe and the species. They both have a belief on morals. One has some. The other one thinks that they don't exist, um, which is still having morals. You just you can do whatever you want. Uh, look to the heavens for answers, uh, to astrology, to aliens. Um, it's just a matter of labels. One likes to totally think that's not religious at all, but it's absolutely religious. Um, but to the Jews, to those who are religious, to those who uh, believe in like doing works or seeking signs or anything, uh, when they're like going about their business and then the gospel is presented to them where, wait a minute, it's no magic. It's not, I mean, it's magical, but it's not like this magic trick that needs to be performed. It's not like this amazing sign and wonder that they're looking for when it really is, you know, God said a, a virgin will conceive and that's the sign. But they come to it and they go, oh, they, they stumble over it because they go, oh, wow, all my works. They've been like carrying around all their works and all their ideas about, you know, everything. And the cross comes and trips them and they go, what was that? And they try and pick up all their stuff again because, it, you know, it just doesn't fit in with their religious ideas and trying to keep the laws that they're not keeping anyways. Um, and to those, to the Greeks, it says, to those who are seeking after knowledge, it seems foolish because they're so like, oh, man, you know, things are so smart. I'm so smart. I'm so smart. I'm so self-righteous. I don't need a cross. God, there's no such thing as God. Look around you. There's no such thing as God. All this stuff just happened. Really. Really. But Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified, and that should be the cornerstone of all true Christian belief. Um, It's not works. It's not knowledge. It's Christ crucified. All you need to know to get to heaven is Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you can be forgiven. Um, You know? And the end of it as well. That's it. Sorry. It should be the, the foundation of all true Christian belief, but it's also the end of it. It's like there's no deeper thing that you're going to get into Christianity or, or knowing God than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know, forever and ever, we're going to be thankful for the nails in His hands and His feet and just that He would do that for us. Uh, there's no, like, second level, you know. You know, you don't graduate from the cross to something else. It's If you do, you're in trouble. It's, it's always the cross. Um, but how did Satan tempt Eve? Genesis 3.5, he says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, 
your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. You know, like this idea of knowledge that, you know, if you seek out knowledge and seek out religion, that you'll be like God. You don't need God because you'll be like him. And what, is that, what does the world say today that, you know, this whole idea of humanism, that man is God, that we can determine our own morals, that we can write our own laws, that we can bow to our government who knows all and ends all, and that we can just go to them for everything. That's, you know, the same temptation in Genesis 3.5. Religion will take us away from God, but relationship through Jesus draws us near, not through anybody else. But check it out. Both can be saved. Those who are super religious and those who are super intellectual who are just, you know, religious in a different way. Both can be saved and both are called. Both are called. Um, like I said, if they're truly seeking God, if they want to know God, they're just caught up in a religious system. Some of you know, or a Catholic, have come out of, you know, this religious system or another religious system and said, wow, I found God. Or those who have just been so scientific that you looked at the universe to try to find explanations in science and I'll say, like, wow, there has to be a God. Like, these people aren't ex- expelled. They just haven't gotten to the Jesus part yet. Um, creation cries out. God will find these people in these two groups if they're willing to hear his call. It's like God is calling to, the, God is calling to Richard Dawkins. He's just not answering the phone. You know, he's like, no, God can't be calling because he doesn't exist. But God's calling to him. But uh, verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God is smarter than we make him out to be sometimes. We contend with him. We think that we have to explain away miracles, like if you watch Discovery Channel, or go, oh, well, God didn't really roll back the Red Sea. It was like this wind, and then like some dirt piled up. Or, you know, we try to explain away God. <laughs> he, you know, he's smarter than we are. But sometimes we just need to believe it to see it. Like the world is all about, oh, I got to see it to believe it. I got to see it to believe it. But faith, what pleases God is believing it. Because when you do believe it, then you see it and you go, wow, that's amazing. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This, uh, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So as far, farther than Jupiter is away from us right now, farther than even like uh, maybe Owen will be flying in the sky from us on Friday, is God's thoughts over our thoughts. Like the greatest thought we can muster up, I think, you know, therefore I am, or, you know, whatever that saying is, you know, hope and change. Whatever it is, God's thoughts, even God's lowest thought, even God's like, oh man, I got something on my shoe, is a billion times higher than our most noble thought. He's God. I mean, he doesn't even have to like be serious. He can hang out and be totally wiser than everything. Like the words of Jesus, when you read through the New Testament, people are just like astounded. Like they have all these questions for him, and Jesus just has this like short answer, and they go, and they went away like, oh man, okay, like just totally confounded. God's like, whoo, you know. <laughs> it's true, but it's it's nice to know God's weakness is stronger than men. That even if God could be homesick, he'd still be stronger than all mankind. Like I said before in Revelation, when he comes back riding on the white horse and his name on his thigh and rocking out with the flaming sword coming out of his mouth, even in his weakness, stronger than men, stronger than all the nukes we can muster. Picture perfect, the cross. God, at his most apparent weakness, not coming down off the cross. Hey, if you're the Christ, come down off the cross. He can't even save himself. Oh, yeah? He defeats death in his most apparent weakness. He defeats hell in his most apparent weakness. Sin, the enemy, and all the wisdom of man in the most apparent act of weakness ever. This guy being crucified on a cross when they had no justification against him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said to me, my, Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities, why, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Oh, the joy of knowing Christ and his sufferings. When we realize that, wow, we're weak, we're pretty foolish, we can't handle these situations in our lives, that's when Christ can be glorified in us. That's when Jesus can show up. I mean, he's there, but that's when, he's, when we allow him to come through for us. We go, wow, I really have nothing to offer God. But oh, the joy of knowing him and his sufferings. And I haven't suffered that, that much in my life. I've had a decent life. Um, even, in my, even in my hardest days before knowing Christ, and I was at my end and suicidal and everything, and God rescued me. And I thank you for that. There's people who have had way harder lives than I have. I'm just obviously weak because I need him. And don't we all? But those are the times I think that we get to know Christ the best. The hard times, the difficult times, the disciplinary times. They are not fun, but when gone through with Christ, there is an intimacy with him and with the Father by the Holy Spirit that cannot be matched by anything else. You know, when we're going through a hard time and all we have to turn to is Jesus, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's painful. You may even think that you're not even going through it good, but when you're crying out to God and and just for that tiny little second when your world is falling apart and you're just like, Jesus, I need you. I can't take this. That little moment of intimacy is more powerful than you'll probably get in any other time. And not, I'm not saying that there's not other times that God can work and that, you know, we have to sin for God to show up. Like, you know, Paul says, uh, should sin abound, that grace abounds much more? No. And so I'm not saying to, like, seek after sin so you get that little, like, rescue me God time. That's not the way we want, we, we want to go through it. But through the hard times is when we can really, you know, God is closest to us. Like, he's always close to us, but when we kind of turn to him the most, I think, and we're most receptive to it, I think. Um, and those times make the mountaintops that much sweeter. And knowing that there is hope for at least heaven on the other side, it's possible to get through. I've gone through some things, you know, my own fault or, you know, just other things, that trials and tribulations. And, and sometimes the only help I have on the other side, like, I don't know what's going to happen in a couple of years. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't want to go through this thing. I have to go through this afternoon. The only hope I have is, well, one day I'll be in heaven. And that tiny little bit would keep me from, you know, putting a gun to my mouth. Because Jesus is it. That's it. As hard as this gets, there's always going to be Jesus on the other side. You know, um... The disciples, when everyone was turning away from Jesus, Jesus says, hey, uh, are you guys going to go too? And they turn and say, Lord, you know, where can we go? You have the words of life. Like, even when everything's falling apart, if you truly know God and truly know that this is the word of God, where else can we go? Even when we screw up bad and we turn back to the world, you still know that this is, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. Where else, you know, yeah, I could go drink all day, but... I know at the end of it, it's, I'm just going to be worse off for it. Or, yeah, I could run away and go live my life somewhere else. But I know that, that God is right. And that if he wants me here, that this is the best place I can be, even if it stinks. And I don't mean to say it um, cavalierly or cavalier. I don't know how you say it, but <laughs> I don't mean to say it lightly. But let's go on, verse 26 through 29. And we'll get running through this. But for you see your calling, brethren that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see your calling, brethren. It's the title of tonight's message. You see it. I believe that if you know the Lord, that you know that if you don't see it now, God wants to show it to you. That there's a calling on each and every one of our lives that that you can see it. You know, if, if you just believe it. And I don't mean to say, oh, just run around and oh, I believe it. I believe for a red car. Or, you know, this hyper faith idea. But just, you know, do you believe that God's got a plan for you? The Bible says it. Do we believe it? But sometimes our calling is evident. It's right in front of us. But we fail to believe that God would actually have set it out for us. Like, you know, some, you get out and like, you know, let's say you went to a really nice restaurant and the waiter brings, you know, you thought you ordered this tiny little thing because you didn't understand what it said on the menu. You know, maybe it was in like another language. And then the waiter brings over this really big plate and it's set in front of you and it looks really good. But you go, I didn't order this. Can I even pay for this? 
You know, I don't get paid till Friday. I can't afford this meal. What is this? Uh, Proverbs 22, 17 through 21. I'm going to skip through. Uh, actually, you know, I'll just read it. Uh, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you, God says, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge, that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you? He's instructed us, even us. Like sometimes we read the Bible and we go, okay, like this, there's this wall of separation, like, oh, it's the Bible, and it's just like, just this religious text, but no, it's, it's written to us, to you and to me. And not to take it like overly, like, yeah, it's just me and not to you, you know, but it's written to you, even you. Like, when I read that verse, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, I have instructed to you today, even you, like, even you, foolish Tim, who makes mistakes, I have instructed even you. Yes, I want a relationship with you. It's okay, I know. Like, I've instructed you. And that's for, not just for me, it's for you guys. It's for you guys, it's for everybody. God wants to instruct us. But it says the base things of the world. The world thinks we're crazy, we're stupid, we're foolish. So what, you're going to, you know, you're not going to get a 401k? You don't have a five-year plan? You didn't go to college because you thought God told you not to go to college? Have you seen the economy? Yeah, I have, and that's another reason not to go to college, because everyone getting out of college doesn't have a job. But I'm not saying not to go to college. In fact, go to Pastor Tony's Bible College. I'm sure it'll be awesome. That's a good cause. But, but God uses those things to put to shame the world. The world goes around, yeah, we got it all, but then the Christian comes around and has nothing and has more than they do, and they're ashamed. They're ashamed. They stop telling those jokes. They're kind of awkward around you because they know. Because God's like, yeah, this is my child. And they're not foolish like you think they are. But not many movie stars are called. You know, how many of us would think it would be awesome if like Brad Pitt got saved and started church? That probably would be awesome, but I hope it happens. I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, is he even popular anymore? Um, <laughs> sorry, Brad. Hope you're listening. But, uh, but not many Fortune 500 executives. I was reading this thing. I don't know. I had like, some downtime at work, so I was <laughs> reading this, uh, this, this thing. And it was basically Steve Jobs from Apple threatening nicely the guys from Palm and the guys from Google because they were trying to steal his employees like 10 years ago. And uh, it's like, man, like these guys are so intent over, they're taking everybody out of our, you know, development division and they're going to make their own competing product. And haven't you seen the size of our coffers? We'll take you to court and beat you. It was like this ridiculous stuff. Like not many of these guys are going to get saved because they're so mindful of the things of this earth. They're so mindful of their own kingdom they think they've got it all together because in the world's eyes, they do. They have all this money. They have all these things. But like Proverbs says, uh, I think it's Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, talks about this like really rich guy who has all these things, but he's got no family in the end. He's got nothing in the end because he spent his whole life going after stuff of the world, which wasn't there anyway. But uh, not many presidents. But instead, check it out, the drug addicts used to be, the prostitutes, the deadbeats, the uneducated, the dropouts, the poor, the lame are called. Just like the rich are called, but the poor respond and become part of God's work. Despised, I think of the caste system in India, the untouchable, these people who society casts out for one reason or another and says, we can't even be a part of you. You know, you're not human. Uh, a couple more minutes and we'll close up soon here, but let's turn to Matthew 22 uh, real quick. You're probably familiar with this area of scripture too. Matthew 22 couple books to the left. It's called The Parable of the Wedding Feast. And, and I won't really comment on it. I'll just read on it. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. 
My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, and another to his business. And the rest seized the servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. For a wedding. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who are invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. On the day of judgment, when the unbeliever dies and stands before God, they will truly see how foolish it is, and they will sadly be put to the full shame of their sin. They think it's shameful now to be a Christian. Sometimes we're ashamed to be Christians now. But on that day, if you're in Christ, there's nothing to be ashamed about. In fact, you got everything. You got everything. You got God and eternity. But to those who don't, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, if you haven't trusted Him as your Savior, if you haven't said, God, I'm foolish. I've screwed up my life. I'm full of sin. I need you to forgive me or something way less eloquent than that. If you haven't just cried out to him, there's, there's going to be trouble. I mean, this king burned up these people's cities because they didn't come to the wedding. Imagine if they did something like violent. Sometimes we think of uh, Christianity as this boring thing or as this thing we have to do, but it's really God just saying, Come to the wedding. I want to have a party. I want you to marry my son. I want you to be a part of that. But let's read the last two verses here. Verse 30 and 31. And then uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Of him, of the Father's will, we are saved in Christ Jesus and kept in, safe, sanctified in Jesus, of Him. Um, you know, we'll get into the debate, like, how much does God control it, and how much do we control it? It's just of Him. He wants us all to know, to know His Son, and to know Him. And it's of Him that we're here tonight. But who became for us wisdom? Remember the disputer, the accuser? Remember the debate club? Remember the, uh, the lawyer that would be against you in a crime? or the devil who uh, would accuse us, Jesus becomes the wisdom for us. It's not necessarily even Jesus standing in the way. It's Jesus taking our place, taking the stand for us. And remember those wise words were, whoop, same thing. Oh, look what Johnny did. Look what Susie did. They even knew you for a while. They even walked with you for many years, and then they did that. Then they did that. And then they continue to do that. And Jesus says, nope. 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 If we're in Him, if we're of Him, we're forgiven. You can be forgiven. You can be, you will be, you already are if you just accept it. Forgiven. It's gone. There's sins, there's things that I've done that I struggle with looking back at, like, wow, like I, you know, I, was, I did that, I was involved in that. And God just keeps going. It's gone. It's gone. Why? Because I clean myself up? No. Because I simply came to Him. And even then, it's of Him. I can't say that I did it on my own. I can't say that, you know, that I'm here because I did my own thing. I'm here because God wanted me and wouldn't let go. And He wants you. And He's not going to let go. You can push, you can fight, but he's not going to let go. He says that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That, he means it. Even when we're kicking and screaming, he may let us do our thing and, and let us get involved in our thing and let us reap the, the ills of our sin and, and be hurt by it and take things away from us and discipline us. Or if we don't know him, let us go through hard times and be destroyed. But he doesn't let go. He forms you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were even conceived. He's going to give you every chance possible to come to him. It's just really up to us whether we want it or not. 
But that's why I said, Hugh glories, let him glory in the Lord. Because he's done it. He's the one who wants it the most. You know, the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. But do you want that unity that comes in knowing Jesus? Do you want to be one with God? Do you want that feeling of separation, of, you know, angst to go away? Do you know God? Have you been baptized? Like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Have you heard the call? Now, will you identify with his death and put the death, uh, just your memories and your conscience of it? And tonight's title again, Do You See Your Calling? Brethren, do you see it? Do you see it? It's a constant calling. It's a constant upward call of, of, of God in Christ Jesus our Lord towards heaven. Get saved. Get baptized. Serve him. Follow him. Know him. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Come home. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Boasting has no place in, in a Christian's life because of that. Because it's just his call. You know, we didn't call ourselves. He called us. Other than boasting in what Jesus has done for everyone, for us, and in us, why should we claim our own name? Kind of like what the Corinthians were doing. When it obviously got us nowhere lasting in the past. You know, we're all here tonight for a reason. Whether you're dragged here, whether you feel like it's the right thing to do, or whether your life just bombed out and you go, man, the Bible, I heard the Bible had something to do. You know, who's this Jesus guy? We're all here for a reason. You know, why should we claim that name? There's only one name, one name above all names. But all these things, unity with God, unity with believers, baptism, gifts, the calling, wisdom, will bring glory to the Lord. Um, when they don't, it's probably because he's not the one being glorified um, or for calling for it to, set, to be said or done. But that's the end purpose of it all. Like the beginning of, of belief is the cross and the, and the end of the belief is at the cross too. That's the end purpose of all of it. To glorify God. You know, when we get to heaven, our works will be burned up if they were done for ourselves. But there will be crowns that we'll cast back to God to glorify God in heaven because he's done something gracefully, gracefully through us. But check it out. Even if you choose to deny or we choose to deny God or even if we choose to not believe the call he has on our lives, we'll still glorify God in some sense. Even those who don't accept Christ, it'll still bring glory to God at the end because he's righteous. And his judgment will be carried out. And in that in turn, we'll glorify God. So even if you never want to glorify God, in the very end, it's going to glorify God. But we are called in grace to be unified with God and each other. And our calling is to bring others to him. So tonight, do you see your calling, brethren? Do we see our calling? And it's not, it's an individual calling, but it's a calling as a group. As Calvary Chapel, as the body of Christ, as believers, it's our calling to encourage each other, to walk with each other, to pray for each other, to bring each other to the cross in prayer and in practicality in our daily lives and then to, from here to go out and bring it to others to bring it to others but tonight as we uh, close in prayer um, everyone can just close their eyes you know it's nothing spiritual but if you if you feel like God's calling you whether it's to be saved whether it's to follow him whether whatever it is just slip up your hand or, or stand up or no one's going to judge you, and if they do, that's fine. So first, um, I'll put some prayer, and then uh, for those who are raising their hands or standing, uh, if you don't know the Lord, I will lead you in a quick prayer just to ask the Lord to forgive you and, and, and give you that new life that we talked about. And for those who know the Lord, I'll just pray that God would use you and encourage you and bless you. And, and I'm standing because I need it. I got saved t- uh, nine years ago. And I need it more today than I, do, than I did then, I think. At least I'm more aware of it, I guess, I hope. But let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for your grace and your words, God. Um, please take away any of my words. And God, I just, uh, we're so glad that you love us and that you just invited us here tonight. I thank you for those who have already raised their hands and those who, who may be raising their hands now, God. And I just pray that uh, um, if anyone doesn't know you, that they would, they would stand and they would, they would cast off the shame at your cross and and just accept your forgiveness. And uh, So if, if you don't know Jesus tonight and, and you'd like to know him, just keep your hand raised and, and just follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you God for the cross that you died for my sins, 
Thank you that God raised you from the dead and that you want me to be with you at, at the wedding. Please forgive me. Please fill me. Please help me to, to live this life with you and, and to be a Christian and to tell others about you. God, I pray that if anyone has prayed that or desired to pray that, that they would tonight, that they would tell somebody, that they would come uh, to Pastor Tony or any of the other leaders for prayer. And, uh, and for those, God, tonight who have their hands raised or, or who know you or just hear the call of your life, I know it's on everybody, God. I pray that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would forgive them and cleanse them, God, of any sins that, that they've done and they've already asked for forgiveness for but are still just weighing on them, God. I, I just thank you that you lifted them, uh, lifted them already at the cross, and I pray that they would be lifted tonight from those burdens and that you would send them out and use them. And, and uh, God, you draw us together as a body, that we wouldn't be divided, but that we'd be united. And uh, God, most importantly, we would just have that time with you. Thank you so much for tonight, Lord, and for uh, just just your call on all of us, God. Um, we couldn't do it without you, Lord. We just love you because you do love us. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you guys. Thanks for listening again, and, and have a good night. Praise the Lord.